And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Oh, yeah. And we're, we're right back to France. I mean, last, last time we did Scaramouche. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time it's Am- Amelie. Did I say it's that Amelie, right? Amelie. 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 And it's in Montmartre. Montmartre. Which is one of my favorite sections with Sacre Coeur Cathedral at the top. Or I think it's Cathedral Church, anyway. Maybe Basilica. Anyway, um, and all the quirky little streets and everything mm-hmm. associated with an artist's area. And the whole movie is very quirky and very fun. And But there is one of those big truths that's lying several kind of intertwined below the surface. So oh, sure. I think we're yeah. going to have fun talking about it. Me too. Yep. Me too. Yep. And the star of this one is Audrey Tato. Tato? Tattoo. Tattoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's terrific. I mean, it's like she was made for this movie. <laughs> oh, yes. So good. So good. Yeah. And I, I recognized her and I couldn't tell where until I looked it up, but she was in The Da Vinci Code. With Tom Hanks, yeah. Many years later. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie was released in 2001. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a French movie, so it's all in French. They didn't have the courtesy to speak English. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I had to throw that out. That was a joke from somewhere. I can't remember. (laughs) Probably Monty Python or something. Yes. I can't remember. I get a credit at somewhere. But anyway... But it was oh, in um, it was in French with subtitles and uh, yes, yeah. beautiful language, yeah. So. And what they do in this with the um, with the color and the styling and um, the people who you meet again and again and their quirks and habits that you learn is just it's really delightful. Yeah, this movie I think I it's, think so too. It, you leave it. And you feel good. If you hadn't, I would have said that everybody had heard of it and seen it at least once. But then I met Scott. <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> what is that show? Yeah. yeah I, I was thinking, it. yeah, it reminded me of that show Pushing Daisies. And mm. just how the colors and the quirkiness. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it compares favorably, favorably with that. But oh, yeah. This is a it's, special well, movie. You, yeah, exactly. It's that mm-hmm. idea. It's because Pushing Daisies had a sense of fun that was a very different sense of fun but it, and quirkiness and everything. But this is that same thing where the director and the all the creative people on it are felt free to really push the envelope and make it extra quirky and extra, you know, like saturated with green mm-hmm. or red all everywhere or, you know, all these different things and the way they contrast sets your tone for the whole movie. Mm. So what is this movie? It's, uh, there's no way anybody could really describe it easily. However, (laughs) so Amelie, as a little girl, because her parents were so eccentric and the conclusions they drew were so oddly specifically wrong, uh, decided that she had a heart defect. They decided to homeschool her and keep her away from other kids. So she was usually very isolated. And she 
really developed an active imagination and personality, you know, very mischievous personality, that sense of childhood wonder, which kind of never dies as we see her when she's older. She still is uh, operating with that going on. And then um, she lives um, in Montmartre. She's a waitress at a cafe. We see her at 18 and she's still, she's single and she's still herself fairly isolated. She knows all these people at the cafe she works at. She knows, you know, she sees the guy downstairs across the courtyard, I guess, who's Mr. Glass or whatever his <laughs> name is, the glass man, I guess, because mm-hmm. his bones are so brittle. She knows various people in the building, but she's not, it's not like she's really close to anyone. And one day she's startled by the news of the death of Princess Di. Mm. And she drops a perfume stopper and it rolls and dislodges a wall tile. This gives you an idea of the kind of quirkiness of this movie if you haven't seen it. And accidentally she finds an old metal box which has all this fun childhood memorabilia that was hidden by somebody who lived in her apartment about 40 years earlier or some such thing. And so Mm -hmm. she decides she's making an experiment. She's going to track him down and return the box to him. And if it makes him happy, she's going to start doing things to make other people happy. And it does, and she does. And so that's a big part of the movie because a lot of what she does, as she says, it's stratagems. She comes up with these interesting, sometimes elaborate plans to make people's lives better. And watching those unfold is really fun. But in the meantime, what happens is she herself gets caught up in possibly her own life will be better. She gets interested in a young man. Hmm. He's just as quirky as everybody else. So, <laughs> so I don't know if that's uh, too much no, description. That's funny. Yeah. It's, um, but that really sets the tone of everything and, and the kind of movie it is. But yeah, that scene where she, she sees it. Princess Di has been in an accident and she yeah. drops that stopper and it, and it rolls and hits this tile, which dislodges and, um, you know, just the the whole way it was shot, and then she pulls the tile away, and you're you're looking at her from from inside the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, I just love that stuff. It was just really great. It's like yeah. a Wes Anderson kind of. I don't know. Yeah, these maybe. really really unique angles for cameras mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. bright colors and just the oddness of everybody. Yeah, yeah I've not seen that many of his movies, so. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about um, what was the hotel one? Yeah, the Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest Hotel, yeah. or Grand Budapest maybe. Right. So yeah, so we talked about that, but I haven't seen enough for that to immediately mm-hmm. click with me. Yeah, but I I believe you. <laughs> you bet. So, but good stuff. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think you know we probably need to jettison the spoiler idea because. Uh, yeah, you know, just talking about all this fun stuff. Would, we're you know, diving in. We're diving right in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. But yeah, so she finds this box with this child. You know, I it, it's it's just so effective. You know, um, I can imagine a box like that that I had. You mm-hmm. know, so but you just have this box and it's got a card in it, like a baseball card or a picture of somebody and a little toy. Uh, like a, it was a guy on a bicycle from the Tour de France, some kind mm-hmm. of a set that this kid had. But, but then all this stuff she went through to find the person, and then she finds a person, 
and she figures out a way to get him the box without actually giving it like herself walking up to him and giving it she she she's basically lines it up so he finds it um, she yeah she contacts yeah. him and tells him to go to this place yeah i'm trying to remember how it works the problem is these are all just complicated enough <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie and a whole lot of times it. yeah she just sets up these <clears throat> right. little little trails right yeah. but she somehow you're right she sets up the trails and he winds up following the trail to um a place where he answers the phone mm-hmm. and phone box and there's nobody there because it's her from a nearby one. She hangs up and he sees the box. His eyes fall on the box. He recognizes it. He opens it up. He's, he's crying a little. And he suddenly says, I have my estranged daughter and I have a grandson I've never met. Hmm. I need to contact them because my childhood was um, great. I think he was saying, you know, these are all things from my childhood and I want to share them with my grandson. I'm, hmm. I'm going to try to get a hold of her. Yeah. And so Amelie takes that as, I mean, and he's obviously happy just looking at him. She doesn't know any of the things he's resolving. But he then, he goes off to do his thing, and then she goes, okay. Yeah, I was looking for his quote, but he, he starts to, you know, she's there. She's at a at a bar where he's gone, and she's standing there. Well, he, has, he has no idea she's involved. She doesn't look at him directly, <laughs> kind of looking away. And uh, he just starts to think about time and all these things. And oh, uh, he isn't at the place where she works then. It's somewhere it else. Could, it, well, I I didn't think it was a place where she works. Okay, um, all right. Because I thought she was standing at the bar as well. Oh, you know what? You're right. Yeah. She was, he was talking to her, and she would act like she didn't hear him or just nod and look away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. And he says something about time and how you know suddenly you're fifty. And I'm like, yeah, I know what that's like. <laughs> I do. But it's just like, you know, he she opened this door in him that uh, emotion flooded out. And, um, yeah, it resulted in, yeah, I've got things to take care of. How, how am I letting these things fester, you know? Well, and yeah. what you said is interesting about him suddenly, and I'd forgotten the line, and you're right, time goes, and suddenly you're 50, and, you know, you've, you've got, to, got to get yourself together mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, like, I'm going to get a hold of my grandson, all this stuff. And I was thinking, as I was watching, the thing that surprises her so much is the death of Princess Di. That keeps popping up, the hmm. death of Princess Di, all the way through. Yeah. People might talk a little bit about, you know, the paparazzi or I feel like Lucian, the um, the... How, how do you describe him? He's he's a bit simple. He's the greengrocer assistant. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He also might be reading about it or talking about it. Every so often it pops up, and I was thinking, what is the point of this? And when you mentioned this with um, the man with the toy box, I thought, oh, right. This is She never got a chance to do any of these things. Mm. And that's not necessarily the way Amelie was prompted to it. But it is the thing that everybody in this movie is kind of isolated and lonely, mm. even if they're with a lot of people. So like in the cafe, the cigarette lady, she's hiding behind all her illnesses. <laughs> they're the excuse for not doing anything. The very bitter man who dated a different waitress one time, he's hiding behind his little tape recorder and his jealousy. And, um, you know, so you have all these people who are 
not letting themselves be fully connected or fully live their lives and they're wasting them. And of course, Princess Di died young and her life was not super happy for a long time before that. Mm. So it's uh, an interesting little commentary, really. Yeah, very much. It just keeps nudging us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds us, you know, unnatural ends where sudden ends, you know, yeah. it could, it could happen to us. Yeah. <laughs> it could. <laughs> it could. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just really great. And then, you know, so she succeeds there and then starts to do that with others. Um, you know, people that she knows and, um, just and little ways. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, sometimes it's really brief and you never see anything again. But like when there's the blind man who we've seen several times at the beginning and <laughs> she just says, oh, yeah. you want to cross the street? I'll help you. And she and he does. She grabs him by the arm. And as she's marching him down the street to go to the metro, which is where he has a regular place for begging and the metro being the underground subway system, um, she's narrating everything that they go by. <laughs> You know, this yeah. person's trying this thing, and it's so wonderful. It brings tears to his eyes. This person uses this cat, and it's doing this. <laughs> and they're marching faster and faster. Yeah. He's got this huge smile on his face. Oh, man. And you never see it again, but that's one of the first things she does, you know. So it's opening up and enriching his life. Yeah. And that's really what she's doing thematically with all these other people. So like her father, who's miserable because the mother died suddenly. Um, a long time ago. And uh, she says, you don't do anything. Why don't you go? You used to talk about traveling. He's like, oh, I was going to do it with, you know, your mother. But now what's the point? Well, he has a garden gnome that he loves. <laughs> and the garden gnome, she takes it one time. We see her taking it and we never see what happens. But he starts, every so often they'll show him getting a postcard or a letter <laughs> from this gnome. And it's a picture of him against some big monument, the yeah. Statue of Liberty, <laughs> Somewhere, maybe the the Kremlin or something. I mean, uh, all these places, and uh, he's just he's gets to where he's he's always waiting for the mailman. He's just I'm just sweeping up. Do you have anything for me? Oh man! And of course, by the end, the gnome comes home. Yep. He doesn't know what happened. It turns out that she very cleverly had a friend who's a flight attendant who took the gnome around with her. <laughs> I yeah. was taking pictures. She goes, everyone calls me Snow White now. That's a good friend, yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the very end, he's gonna he's going getting ready to go to his international trip. Yep. Yep, he's ready to roll. Mm-hmm. That's right, because she talked to him earlier, you know. Her mom died in that interesting way. Um but yeah, because her mom had passed away when she was young. Um yeah, I mean, oh my it, gosh! Yeah, you remember the? No wonder uh, he wouldn't travel. Right, I right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's killed when a, tur- a suicidal tourist jumps off the top of Notre Dame and mm-hmm. squashes and, the yeah. mother right next to Amelie. Right. So you know, <laughs> yeah, you can see why this would be a problem. Yeah, yeah, tough. Deal. I mean, but these are all the kinds of weird, bizarre things that are happening in here. Indeed, yeah, and it, it was it was rough to hear him when he was talking to his daughter. You know. Um, she was asking him about travel and stuff, but even the scene, the way that they did the scene, it was like, you know, that she had heard this a hundred times before, mm-hmm. but he said, well, you know, you, your mom and I, we were going to travel, but you know, uh, we had you, 
and I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, Thank that's you. hurtful. But it's yeah. like, it's just an excuse, right? But it seemed like she maybe understood that um, about him. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, it's just the way that she was reacting. and Because um, now she's not there yeah. anymore with him. Right. She's just meeting him once a <clears throat> week So it's for like, well, if I was the reason, how come you're not doing it now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. One thing I like when we're meeting some of the characters at the beginning, this gets dropped after a while, but you meet someone and it says, he likes this and he <laughs> likes that and he doesn't yes. like this and he doesn't like that. And they even do it for her cat. Yes. Um, so it's like one guy, he, he likes popping bubbles, uh, the <laughs> bubble wrap. Yeah. And they show him under the table and he's popping the bubbles and smiling a little bit. Or, you know, mm. they don't like this. And I can't think of any good examples. Well, the one about her, um, if I remember right, it had, um, I know there was creme brulee. She likes cracking the caramel. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. And then there was the skipping of stones. Right. Uh And, and dipping her hand into those sacks of beans and other grains and stuff. She always liked to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, did that turn into anything that I missed? But no. it was just fascinating. She'd just walk up and stick her hand in there. But I love that all these little things are, um, these are just the kind of quirks people have. Yeah, yeah. Where they kind of like, you know, you don't know what it is until you notice it or somebody else points it out or you're, mm. you're really thinking about it. Because I was thinking, I was going, what would I say? And I was like, I'm not sure. Mm. I don't pay enough attention. Yeah. Yeah, I Did agree. Because I, I love to dip my hand in sacks of grain, but I never thought that it was, you know, I never thought that as a quirky thing or whatever. But well, everybody um, doesn't like it. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. But there's just something about the feel of that, you know. But yeah. it's it's just neat. Yeah, love these little quirks we all have. So all those little and creme things. brulee is one of my very favorite yeah. things. So is it? It is. I love it. Interesting. Yeah. Julie does not like creme brulee. You are you're an anti brulee. The, the smooth texture, she does Ooh, not like. Love it. That's yeah. what they would say in the movie. Mm. Yeah. She detests, je detest <laughs> the smooth texture. Not a fan, yes. No, and it's not very strongly flavored, so uh-huh. also that. Yep, yep. So mm-hmm. just might as well drink a glass of milk. I know, isn't that awful <laughs> about something that you love so much? Oh, shoot. You bet. But here we are. Here we are, yeah. Such opposites. Now discovering it. What what episode is it? 300 and something? 314, Unbelievable. 15? I have no yeah, idea I, if I can continue. I, well, let's not eat creme brulee while we do the show. We'll be all right. <laughs> all right. Sounds okay. good. Uh. So anyway, she starts doing all these things. She starts connecting um, the bitter man who's jealous of his old girlfriend and the the hypochondriac lady who runs the cigarette counter. She um, is, let's see, she's, oh, when she's looking for the guy who had the box, she winds up talking to her landlady, the concierge, I guess, of her flats, who tells her, starts drinking and telling her this long story, which Amelie has no interest in, about the husband who abandoned her, all these various things. And so she finds a way to fake a final letter from him that comes mm-hmm. 20 or 30 years later or whatever that makes her happy. So all these little things are happening. And at the same time, the um, the lady, no, I'm sorry, not the lady, the guy who they called the glass man, mm. Dufayel, I guess yeah, it is. yeah. He, she will go see him sometimes and talk to him. 
And he's talking to her because he has been painting one of my favorite paintings, The oh. Boatman's Lunch, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Luncheon of the Boating Party by Renoir 20 times because he has nothing else to entertain him. So he's doing it over and over. But there's a girl in the painting who's having a glass of water. And he says, you know, I've never gotten her just right. And when they're talking about it, Dufayel is using it to talk about Amelie. Mm. She's with everybody, but she's not part of the group. She's not connected to them. She's, um, you know, lonely, all this. And Amelie knows he's talking about her. And so she's going, well, perhaps this and perhaps that. And he's like, no, that's not it because of this or that. And so these are very gentle, kind of challenging thoughts to her also that make her realize she can make these other people's lives happy, but she herself is not changing at all. Yeah. And this guy, uh, he collects photographs that people have thrown away from those little photo booths that you, mm-hmm. you sit in and it takes a picture like at train stations. And, uh, you know, it takes four photos of you. Yeah. And a little strip. And he's collecting those, so. The ones that have been torn up and left underneath the booth. Yeah. The, he's the always ones people fishing didn't those like, out. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And he pays them back together and puts them in a photo album. <laughs> and I love the mystery of all of these <gasps> photos. Who's that one man? Yeah, there's a man that keeps taking photos at, all over town and uh, keeps throwing them away. He's they're bald like, why on earth? Sinister Who is looking. this person? So, yes, he's always very serious looking. Yeah. Never smiles. And Emily comes up with stories to uh-huh. describe or, or to uh, to uh, explain the situation. You know, he's a mm-hmm. ghost. The oh, ghost yeah. of all this stuff, yeah. Yeah. Well, because then as she's going through the metro, I think it is that she sees him and... Um, and the second time she sees him fishing around down there, she starts, she follows him because she's curious and he's running, he's running to return something. Somebody dropped a bag or something and he's running and getting on his motorcycle to return it. And he drops a photo out, this photo album and she starts looking through it and then, um, starts trying to contact him. Yeah. And the photo album is full of those photographs that he's been collecting. Right, so yep. she's intrigued, mm-hmm. and he is just as quirky as she is, and, and just as sweet and innocent. Yep. Right, because <laughs> they're perfect for each other. Yeah. And when she finally tracks down where he works, one of the ladies, uh, and it's the porn video palace. Yes, and her calling this place <laughs> is so funny because they're like, "Well, are you coming? You're, you, are you over eighteen? Are you this and that?" And it's like, "Oh no, oh, oh my no!" Gosh. And she's like, "What are you? Do- what?" So, um, mm-hmm. but the thing that's funny is the person says, "Oh, yeah, he collects um, photo those photos now, but he used to collect he used to photograph footprints, mm. and then he taped l- funny laughs, <laughs> and now he's doing this. So he's collecting all kinds of really odd things that are um, kind of like remnants of people." Or um, they're not there with him either. He's yeah, also lonely. That's right. Yeah, that's a nice point. Yeah, yeah. Remnants or or people that have been somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the person used to be here, and here's evidence. And yeah, here's that's what he's smile. collecting. Yeah, there's a footprint that's in the cement. Here's yeah. the yeah. Yeah, and, so and then, then he's posting things all over. You know, I need uh, you know, please bring me back my photo album. You know, yeah. if anybody finds this. So she sets this uh, adorable little yes. treasure hunt, I guess, um, 
but yeah, these these directions, you know, about how to get this photo album back. Too fun, too fun. Yeah. <clears throat> but in the process, he gets very interested in her. Yes, he does. Yeah. Um, and in fact, when she goes to find him, he's not at the porn video palace. In the afternoons, he works at the ghost house at the fun fair. <laughs> so she goes, and you're riding through. She, you know, it's one of those things where you ride through, and they, you know, jump out at you and stuff. But he's, oh my gosh, that was the most sensuous haunting I've ever seen. When he gets on, uh, he he jumps on the cart behind her, and he's got the mask on, mm. and he's running his finger down her cheek, and he's like, you know, up against her neck and everything, and you could be scared of it. But she's sitting there because she knows it's him with this look on her face. And she's kind of like, oh, and closing her eyes. And just like, you're just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, what am I seeing here? This is so, such a turn on. You mm. know, it was really funny. Yes. <clears throat> Too funny. Yeah, I, I just enjoyed the heck out of it. It's just adorable all the way through. And, and, and she's just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So fun. Yeah. So... And then he starts trying to track her down, and it's interesting because she's unwilling to take the final step. You know, yeah. she she gets him to come to the cafe, and then she, the moment is right for her to go over and see him. And he turns right, he's, is this you? Because she'd <laughs> had given him a picture of her in a Zorro mask. And of course, from the chin and everything, he goes, I think this is you. And she's like, no, no, it's not me. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's too shy, and mm-hmm. she just can't make herself do it. And at that point, he's taken a risk. He's come. He's talked to her. She can't take that risk. Mm. And when she's talking to the glass man about it, or um, Monsieur Dufayel, he is talking about the fact that, you know. Yeah. I have his quote right here. Go ahead. He said, so my little Amelie, you don't have bones of glass. You can take life's knocks. If you let this chance pass, eventually your heart will become as dry and brittle as my skeleton. So go get him for Pete's sake. <laughs> yes. Yep. And mm-hmm. that's, so he he devises a stratagem for her also. Yeah. He, he gets the young gets the young man the information he needs. Right, right. So he can show up. Yeah, that's really great <clears throat> how he did that for her. And and um, I have another quote here when he was, mm-hmm. I think this was when he was talking to her about the painting. So I think they yeah. were in front of the painting when he was saying this. But he said, um, you know, so she was describing making up this story about this girl drinking the water, you know. Mm-hmm. And he says, you mean she would rather imagine herself relating to an absent person? then build relationships with those around her. You know, so yeah, he was really giving her a lot to think about. Well, you I mean, know? you think about it, that's exactly what was happening toward the end where she had, um, I believe she had turned him away at that point, or at least from the cafe, and she's cooking, and mm-hmm. she's imagining him going to the greengrocer, them being together and him being at the greengrocer, and saying, oh, well, you know, I need some yeast. You know how it is with Amelie. Oh, she's making her famous plum cake. Oh, yes. And he, he runs up the stairs and he sneaks in and surprises her by rustling the beads to tell her he's there. And he comes in and he kisses her neck. And that, at that point, she starts crying into the flower that she's mm, working with. Yeah. Because she's doing exactly what Monsieur Dufayel said. Right, right. She's imagining things about somebody who's not there. <laughs> 
and yeah, and it, he could be there. Mm-hmm. So by the time he does show up, she is primed. Right. You know. Yep. Yep. Absolutely right. Yeah. 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 So this idea of her, you know, in her own dream world, remaining separate, you know, comes up over and over. Yeah. Right, because she's the mover in other people's lives that they don't ever know about. And she won't do it for herself. So someone else, like Monsieur Dufayel, he does it for her. Mm. So what this made me think about was our own lives. Mm-hmm. And we have these surprising things happen. Um, sometimes, sometimes the things we see are very, you know, things we expect. But then something surprising happens and it jolts us off kilter. It uh, sends us down a new path. I mean, um, the way I met my husband is we both talk about it still. And we'd been around each other because we worked for the same company, but we'd never been around each other a lot. We were in different offices. I was definitely not on his level, you know. And um, every time we'd met, it was something would come up that we just didn't really click. And then something happens. I wind Mm -hmm. up moving here. And uh, we meet again and click insanely well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, dating in two weeks and all that kind of thing. And it's the thing where you just look at it and you go, we look at it now, and even my husband, who doesn't talk like this, says, well, that wasn't coincidence. Mm -hmm. That was deliberate. You know, that was God moving in our lives. Yeah, yeah. And it's the thing where you look at this movie and go, Amelie is the mover that nobody sees mm, that gives beautiful. people the yeah. chance to live their lives more fully. And she doesn't force anything. She just opens the opportunities. And so most of the time it seems to work out because people are fairly receptive. But I was thinking of the bitter man and the um, cigarette counter lady. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she, she kind of drops a couple of hints so that they suddenly notice each other and get interested and I have to say, it was so French in some ways. When they have that encounter in the bathroom, uh, it was just so funny. All the ways that were used to show exactly what was happening without us ever seeing what was happening. The glasses bumping. Uh, too funny. Yeah, <laughs> very good. <laughs> All yeah. the things. It was, mm. I was just like, oh, only the French mm. make this kind of movie. But, um, but later, he reverts to his old habits. He becomes jealous of her. She can't even smile at somebody who comes in to buy a pack of cigarettes without him thinking, oh, now you're playing around on me. So we can reject the opportunities that we're given to. Yep, and he does. Andrew Jackson, yeah, I love that. He Mm -hmm. he returns exactly the way he was in the same state that he was. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, yeah, having that portrayed in that way is a good reminder. And he's made two people miserable because he doesn't ever leave his table. He's there every day watching both of them now, the waitress and the cigarette counter lady. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't understand, you know, folks like that. But I do know some. (laughs) Well, that's it. (laughs) You know, they do that in their own way. It's like, yeah, yeah. be happy, man. Right. And so these things are, you know, we are around other people and we try to do good for them and everything. Mm -hmm. But then the same thing happens to us and we may or may not see it. I mean, Amelie's extreme. (laughs) That's what makes it so fun. Mm -hmm. But it is that idea that um, what opens up in front of us and what path do we choose? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Does it allow us to live our lives more fully? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the greatest path of love, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you think about that too. It's like, you know, when you're presented with a, a way to go. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was an exchange between, um, so I think the guy's name is Joseph, who was the the guy who sat in the bar all the time. Okay. But um, there was a writer there too. Yes. <clears throat> and he said something about how he loved the word fail, you know. He said the writer he, did. Yeah, the yeah. writer said that. You know, um, I think that Joseph said something about a failure, and he said, he said something like, "Failed writer, failed life." I love the word "fail," right? And then yeah. um, he said that life teaches us, or failure teaches us that life is but a draft, a long rehearsal for a show that will never play. <laughs> I, I just, I just like that. You know, um, it's it's like being so. I mean, it ties into Amelie's character, right? Being so afraid um, of failure or whatever mm-hmm. it is that she's concerned about, why she wouldn't take that final step, for example. Right. Um, but this, you know, just idea that this fail- failure teaches us about life. Right. You know, there's a lot of people who say, um, you know, a failure teaches you more than success. So. Well, exactly, because mm-hmm. it um, shows us one way not to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and we can feel bad about it mostly just because it's, we know we could do better. Yeah. We'd like to do better. Right. Well, and he had accepted that he was happy being who he, the writer he was sitting at the bar, talking to the cafe owner. Yeah. And I thought it was funny because didn't the, um, Joseph, I guess, say to him, well, I bet you get all those quotes from somewhere else. Mm, something like, like well, that. I can be, and he says, well, I can be original. But mm-hmm. then we see him toward the end of the movie, and he's walking by a quote from somebody, from some famous person on the wall, and he's yeah. looking at it and just smiling. <laughs> you right, know? right. Yeah. Yeah, I think he said, you know, I have original ideas, but people always steal them. And then oh, he says, same as your right. women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Joseph says, oh. what does that mean? Yeah. And the writer just says, he better get used to it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you need to get on with your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so he's getting this message from more than one person who can see what's wrong. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And he's just dug in. He won't change. Yeah. Yeah. And um, (laughs) so I really, I really loved that basic premise underneath everything that, Mm. um, first of all, that you have to take a risk. To change yeah. anything. And sometimes you don't know you're changing it, but there's something you want to do and you're afraid of it. Well, sometimes we just have to try it. Yeah, have to, life is you, about risk. You got to take that step. That's it. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, because otherwise, Amelie wouldn't have experienced love. Hmm. Very true. Yep. Yep. She wouldn't and he, have. He, was, he wanted her. He'd made it really clear. He came to meet her. He came to the hotel or the apartment and knocked on the door and she wouldn't unlock it, you know? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to be back. So (laughs) don't worry about it. Absolutely right. You know, so. But luckily we have the end where she finally works out. Yeah. Yeah. And you imagine happily ever after. (laughs) Right. She's like Joseph. Yes. She's really tempted to step back into who she's always been, and she'll mm-hmm. be miserable. Yeah. 
or yeah, take that step forward. Yeah, if she let that pass, it would have been, mm-hmm. yeah. She would have been like Joseph, in the bar every day, mm-hmm. wishing things were different. Getting a little weirder all the time. Mm-hmm. Being less adorably cute while she was doing it. <laughs> because she's getting older. Yep, yep. You know. Right. And then she's kind of stuck like a child. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is she's very childlike in her uh, winsome ways of, you know, her little uh, um, trails that she sets for people, the little way she enjoys watching um, her little plans work. And there's nothing wrong with it. That's perfectly fine. And I imagine she probably lives her whole life that way still. Mm, yeah. But when do you step out of it and just live riding the motorcycle with a person you love mm. to go somewhere? Yeah. Laughing. And enjoying each other. Yeah. Hugging. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> love it. Yeah, it's, it's a great, uh, you know, you said something to me in an email. You said, this movie just makes me feel good, you know. And it I thought so, so, too. so happy. I, I, by yeah. the end of this thing, you know, it just, you walk away from it just feeling good. And um, I loved the it's soundtrack, happy. too. I love the soundtrack so much mm-hmm. that it was like the day I watched it, I, I just, you know, on... Uh, YouTube music, which I subscribe to it, you know, I just found the soundtrack and played it and it was really good. It's just good. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me yeah. happy. Yep. For sure. It is. It's the whole thing is really perfect. Mm. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention is Amelie's essentially gentle nature. So that even when she's mad at somebody and she takes revenge, her revenges are appropriate and not, um, what would you call it? Maybe not hurtful. Mm. So when she's a kid and I'm trying to remember what it is that the guy does now, <sighs> there's so many details in this mm-hmm. and I just didn't write them down, but she, he's hateful to her. And so she goes upstairs and sits next to the antenna where his TV, oh. <laughs> where his antenna is yes. plugged in <laughs> and he's watching th- these big soccer games and she's listening oh. to the radio up there so she can hear what's happening. And when they're getting ready, they're going to score, they're going to score. Oh. She unplugs it. So his TV goes dead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That it's is just, just static. Yep. And then it happens and she plugs it back in and he's oh. like, what? <laughs> and so you see it over and over and oh, over and it's so like. Good. And I wish I could remember what it was that he had done. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. I don't remember was, either. But yeah, that yeah. was just, that was funny. And so that's very much <clears throat> like what she does to the grocer, mm. who is just a mean guy. He's just a jerk. Yeah. His assistant, Lucien, who I already mentioned, is, uh, or I guess it's Lucien, mm. pardon, um, <laughs> is, uh, he's a bit simple. Mm-hmm. But he's a good-hearted guy. He enjoys himself, and he's squashed a lot by this grocer. So you can't tell what he would say if he was allowed to say anything because the guy just relentlessly mocks him to everyone and makes him feel bad. And Amelie gets real mad about this. And so what she does is um, she goes, she gets the key to his apartment because she was taking care of things while he was traveling or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So And so she does things like change his foot cream and his toothpaste. Because the the tubes look very similar, changes the doorknobs. So one style has, I think it is called a French doorknob, isn't it? Or mm-hmm. continental doorknob, which is oh, long, yeah. and you yeah. push down on it. And the other side is the knob like we have, round, and mm-hmm. you turn it. So she changes them to the other sides of the door. So he's trying to go in, and he's, his hand's going down and down and down, and she's changed it to the round doorknob. <laughs> Or she changes his slippers to a size smaller. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I know. When he was cramming his feet into them, she changes his the time on his clock. Yep. 
so that he thinks it's four in the morning and he should get up. And then he's like, what time is it when he gets to to work? And it's, you know, in the middle of the night and not at four o'clock much earlier. So she's doing all these, putting salt, I think, in his uh, brandy, mm-hmm. in his brandy decanter or whatever, yeah. whiskey, whatever it is, some liquor. So that when he he's like, oh, my gosh, all this is happening, he takes a huge swig and then he just spits it out. And... Um, she it's brilliant because what she's doing is in small ways she's making his life just as miserable as he in small ways has been making Lucien's life. Yeah, all little yeah. things, but it all adds up to make you just crazy and miserable. Yeah. Right. And he, he ends up um spending so much energy on that that it kind of frees loose on how did I forget how you said it? Lucien. Lucien. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, frees him up, you know, so that uh, he doesn't have as much energy to spend berating yeah. him. Right, he'll so. say, the will say, where is he? And, and Lucien says, oh, he's asleep in the cauliflower. And he laughs and starts <laughs> telling jokes, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And I love the uh, the pet fish early on, the mm-hmm. suicidal fish. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, the fish couldn't take the mother and the father and the fact that poor little Amelie was getting no attention. It was her one pet, and it keeps jumping out of the bowl whenever it gets a chance. (laughs) Oh, that was so crazy! They she finally takes it and sets it free. Yeah, she sets it free, and um, yeah, that was quite a scene. And then she starts to rain, you know. Yeah, and then you know the the fish is just staring at him and. Then, you know, it rains and eventually the fish fades out of view. It's so Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just love it. Yeah. Too fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, um, for one thing, it's just solid fun. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is how, you know, as we said, it's so well directed. Yeah. The colors and everything was thought, were thought through so carefully. The sound design. If that thing didn't get something for sound design, they were cheated because <laughs> things like when the grocer's coming in and you just hear the creaking of him opening the door, walking through the room, and it makes it sound really sinister. You're ready to jump when he discovers whatever it is, yeah. like his slippers are too small or whatever <laughs> it is. And um, and there are other places where the sound design is the same way. Everything else is faded out. There's just one noise that you're hearing. Yeah. And it's making a point that supplements everything else. Yeah, that's great. Super good. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. All the sound. And again, the soundtrack itself, too. Um, yeah, this is just a winner all around. Mm-hmm. All around. And, you know, just the way it makes you feel, like we said. Um, yeah. Highly recommended. This was our vacation to Paris for the mm-hmm. summer. Now summer's going to be over soon. Right. So. Yeah, we spent a month in Paris, France. We did. <laughs> I love it. Two really, really good things too. <laughs> yeah, Scaramouche was yes. great. This was great. Oh, I'm yeah. glad. Well, we had your blockbusters. That was for when you're just out having fun, and <laughs> out then having we a good go time. on vacation. You bet. That's right. And That's then too good. I think we come back and start school. Maybe. Yeah, and I do. I do really like uh, the message of the movie too. It it does fill you with happiness, but it also fills you with the desire to get out there. You know, yes. and experience things yourself. To go live your life. Yep. And these days, I mean, how many people are 
just watching streaming stuff, not even going to a movie. Okay, guilty yeah. as charged. But every so often <laughs> we go to a movie. Well, oh right. yeah. yeah, right. And uh, you're going to go play a base or softball, excuse me, game mm-hmm. in a yeah. little while. I am. Yeah. And um, tomorrow I'm going to go spend the, a lot of the day playing with my grandson. Just uh, me and him and his it. mom, my daughter. Yay. Because we, I don't ever get time with him by myself. Mm-hmm. So um, that's great. You know, these are the things that make life count. We can listen to podcasts, we can read books, and that's all wonderful. And do our little things and have our little routines. And the key is to not be like the girl with who's drinking the glass of water, like Amelie, surrounded by people but not living, not engaged yeah, with right. the people around you. For sure. Beautiful and that's message. Yep. How we're designed. I mean, that's God designed us that way. He is a community, mm-hmm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and He wants us in community. Yep. As we say a thousand times. Yeah, that's right. You know, when you think back on your life, or when I think back on mine, I should say that. When I think back on mine, you know, the things that are most memorable are with other people. You know, because mm-hmm. what else is there? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It just yeah. really is that. So you're just like, oh, I really. You know, that was really something, you know, that was fun to be involved with, you know. And you're just like, oh, yeah, look, all those people that were there. So <clears throat> that's well, exactly. the memories right there. Those are the memories. When, yeah, when families get together and start telling those old stories, those are the ones that everybody tells again and again and again. But it's because they're reliving the memories at the same time. And that's how your community is passed on to your family mm. or whatever groups of friends or whatever. You yeah, know. yeah. And of course, that's. We have the church's example on that, since mm. I have to throw that in there. But <laughs> our tradition. Yep, tradition. Those are the stories we tell over and over and over, and it ju- it's mm. what guides us in everything we do. Yep. The stories that God worked through the people mm-hmm. he chose. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. Way to take it and turn it into a religious message. <laughs> Great. Love it. Yeah. Well done. I like that. Well, too much. Okay. All right. I didn't right. ruin it then. Okay, good. No, you didn't ruin it at all. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, you said, yeah, now now it's we're off vacation. We're coming back from Paris, France. I might have started the next book. So yeah, yeah. good. And we, we're going we're gonna to be reading a nonfiction book called Bearing False Witness by Rodney Stark. And the subtitle is debunking centuries of anti-Catholic history. Yay! Yay for that. Yes. Yep. So good. Yeah, this is this is a great book. And I believe that the author is not even Catholic, if I remember right. No, he makes that point. He says, mm-hmm. I'm not Catholic, and I'm not doing this to defend the Catholic Church. I'm doing it because I love history. Yeah, yeah. And the truth, you know. That's great. Yep, so I'm so, really looking forward to revisiting this. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's talking about things like, um, uh, well, Pope Pius XII. Um, yeah, being Hitler's Pope. Yeah, the Dark Ages. Incorrect. Yep. The Dark Ages, mm-hmm. the Crusades, yep. um, Christians yep. using the Bible to be anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. All kinds of things that are kind of, a lot of the times, just generally accepted as, even if we're well, not like that now, but, you know, the whole church's history, and he's going through and just going, nope. Nope, 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 nope. Here's where it's yeah. all coming from. And there, there, I find that there's the a lot story. of that kind of stuff. Um, a really common one I run into is Galileo. I think people deeply misunderstand Galileo <sighs> all the time. 
Yes. You know, I, I know that some people think that the Catholic Church uh, put him to death. And uh, oh. I'm like, no, that, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not the story. So Yeah. Yeah. And some people, you can't talk out of stuff anyway. Um, right, right. One of my brother-in-law's, brothers-in-law, was not very fond of the Catholic Church. And he was continually, you know, using Galileo. Going, well, his daughter wrote this. And I was like, no, no. Well, let's look at the facts. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. He wouldn't do that. <laughs> but for us to know what's going on, then we can at least begin to defend it and give ideas of what the truth was to people who may not just reject you out of hand. Right. Who may be interested and we can, you know, explain a little bit more. Yep. So it's that's really what's coming book. next time. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm looking forward to rereading it. Me too. Me too. Yep. It's always worthwhile. Yep. As we start up the old RCIA again, you know, I always get some <laughs> questions on these kinds of things. And, yep. yep. Here we go. You'll be all set. I'll be all ready. Yeah. It'll be perfect. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, okay. thanks so much for this movie. It's it's oh, another pool room movie in a mm-hmm. room full of pool room movies. <laughs> well, you know, we, I feel like we should have a pool room full after this many episodes. I think so, too. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Terrific. Yeah. Terrific, terrific movie. All right. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. I loved rewatching it. Sure did. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Yep, see you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you.